Well, good morning. How are we today? Amen. Amen and amen. My prayer has been all week that God's presence would be alive in us, and I just, I feel in my spirit He is not disappointing. Anytime we gather in His name and our hearts are open, He's going to do a work. I'm so thankful that you're here. We're in week two of a new series that we've uh, kicked off, and uh, it's just, it's something that's so important for us to discuss and to go over. This series is called The Wind, and it's on the, the Holy Spirit of God, and if you missed last week, I encourage you to catch back up to go to our website. It's www.vlchurch.tv, and you can listen to all of our messages online whenever the technical difficulties don't prevent us from recording the services uh, by going to vlchurch.tv forward slash messages online. You'll see the graphic for the sermon series. Just click on that, and you can listen to the messages that we have each week, as well as we try to uh, have our services broadcast on YouTube. We have a YouTube channel. You can follow along there. Uh, also, if you have your Bible with you via a smartphone, the Version Bible app, we have our weekly services uh, there where you can catch the verses and the notes so that you can follow along there. If you don't like taking notes in the worship guide, then you can have your notes there online. So we have several options for you to stay connected to what God is revealing and doing in our lives uh, this week. We have a philosophy here at Vertical Life Church. We believe everyone matters to God. And I'm so thankful for those of you that are are new today. I hope you feel that, that you matter, you're loved by God. And I just pray that today's service, our worship experience would be an encouragement to you. Um, Last week, we set the stage for what we're going to be talking about through this series on the Holy Spirit. We discussed that the Holy Spirit of God is God's connective force, that He connects every believer, every person to the heart of God, that He's not a what, He's not an impersonal thing. It's not like Star Wars that may the force be with you. He is a person, but He is the force behind what connects us to the very heart of God. And He exists in the world today. He's been sent by Christ and the Father into the world to draw us in to His very heart. He initiates our relationship with God when we trust in Jesus, and he ministers in us and through us to help us know and experience the Father's heart. And we know that through the Spirit, that the Father's heart for us is a heart of love. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. The Spirit helps draw us into that love, to experience that love and pour that love into the lives of other people. And not only is the Spirit of God God's connective force, but the wind of God, the word for spirit in both Old and New Testament also can mean wind or breath. The wind of God is also God's creative force. He is the power behind all of the miracles of God. He is the power behind every miraculous thing that we see and read in the Scripture. Uh, If you think about just air itself, Just think about the wind and air. Everyone take a deep breath. You breathed in, air, wind, and let let it out. If you just think about the air of itself, the air is powerful. The air can be very powerful, which is why it's an apt description for the Holy Spirit. Uh, Most recently in our history, we had down in the Gulf, Hurricane Harvey. 
Remember seeing all the news reports for that and the devastation that happened in the Houston area and in the Gulf, the, the flooding and everything that ensued? Hurricane Harvey was a Category 4 hurricane, and it had maximum wind speeds of upwards of 130 miles per hour. That's, that's a lot of wind. And uh, that's according to the National Hurricane Center. Now, another hurricane that happened not so uh, long ago that was equally, if not more devastating, there's way more loss of life, which was Hurricane Katrina that hit uh, in Louisiana and the, in the, the Gulf region. It had uh, wind gusts only 120 miles per hour, so not even as strong as Hurricane Harvey. And yet we see the devastating effect that Katrina had on the United States. Now, in 1980, a couple years before uh, I was roaming the earth, but in 1980, Mount St. Helens exploded. Some of you may remember that, that Mount St. Helens erupted, the volcano exploded, and it shot out a column of ash from the earth into the air, and they clocked it at nearly 700 miles per hour. That's almost the speed of sound. That, that's crazy. So if you track with me a minute, if you think about the devastating effect the wind of Harvey and the wind of Katrina had, and even tornadoes only get up to roughly 300 miles per hour, can you imagine the devastating effect that 700 miles per hour winds pointed directly at us would have on the earth, that would have in our nation or in the world? That, that's astronomical. I don't think we can even fathom the devastating effect. And we can see the devastating effect that these winds have on the earth. But just like the wind can be either a gentle breeze or a devastating blast, so too can the Ruach of God. So too can the very wind of God, the Holy Spirit. In Exodus chapter 14, Verse 21, where we're going to begin our, our reading there, just uh, in the Old Testament, looking at the power of the Holy Spirit. This is the a time in the timeline of the biblical events where Israel is in bondage and slavery in Egypt, and God sends Moses to say, let my people go. You know that song? Let my people go. And Pharaoh said, no, no, no. And so God rained down 10 plagues of judgment upon the nation of Egypt. And finally, Pharaoh says, well, I guess I have no other choice. I'm going to let you go. And as the, they depart the land, the Pharaoh changes his mind, begins to chase the people down. And the only thing separating Pharaoh's army from slaughtering Israel is a pillar of fire that God uh, sends down to, to block the way so that Pharaoh's army cannot kill the nation of Israel. And Moses, in Charlton Heston fashion, raises his, his stick with his Timex still in broad daylight on his wrist, and the waters part. And we, we have seen this in the, the movies and in the children's Bible stories. But what I want you to see in this particular passage is the words that are used to describe the event that takes place. In Exodus 14, 21, this is what the word of the Lord records. It says, Then Moses raised his hand over the sea, and the Lord opened up a path through the water with the strong east, what's that word? Wind. And the wind blew all that night, turning the seabed into dry land. The wind was so powerful that it created a channel in the Red Sea. Now, we, we've seen this, we've heard this, we, we've seen the movies, but I don't think we fully appreciate the miracle that's actually taking place here. 
They, they, the nation of Israel, they were, they were staring at the sea. They had no hope. They had nowhere to go. And the wind blew and the waters parted. Now, the Red Sea is a salty sea that's just over 190 miles across at its widest point and about 1,200 miles in length. Now, from here to my hometown in Springfield, Missouri, it's roughly 700 miles. That's about a 12-hour or so drive, depending on if you go 10 over or, or stick to the speed limit. But uh, it's about a 12-hour drive. So if you think about it, to drive the length of this sea would take you approximately 24 hours to, to go from one end to the other. That's a big sea. That, that's a big body of water. And in the, the salty sea of the Red Sea, its measured maximum depth is roughly 8,200 feet. It's over a mile. The average estimated depth of this sea is 1,640 feet. That's a third of a mile. So if you can think about it, we don't know exactly where they crossed, but the average depth is over 1,600 feet. That is deep. So if you can imagine that this wind that blew, it blew strong enough to part the waters down at least a third of a mile, potentially over a mile, into the body of water. And not only did it blow and create a channel, potentially over a mile long or a mile deep or at least upwards to a third, it says it blew until the ground was dry. If you've been to the beach, you know when the tide is out, you're still walking on the sand, the sand is still kind of wet. Why? Because there's water there. Even if the wind's been blowing on it all day, the sun is on it all day, and the tide hasn't touched it, the sand can still be marginally wet. So think about the wind, the immense power of the wind to blow on the seabed to dry the seabed floor. That's crazy to me. That's amazing. But what's even more amazing to me is Moses' recount of this story, this event, and he writes a song, he sings a song to commemorate what God did in this miracle. In Exodus 15, verses 8 through 10, this is what Moses says about this miracle. He says, And with the blast of thy nostrils, the waters were gathered together, and the flood stood upright as a heap, and the depths were congealed in the heart of the sea. So literally, the, the wind blew, and not only did it part the waters, but they congealed. That means they became a solid. The waters became a solid on either side of the path that was blown. In other words, the waters froze all the way down to the seabed. Now, now any, any Titanic fans in here? Any history buffs that like the Titanic? Anybody at all? I'm the only geek in the room? Okay. Well, uh, you know, so that historical stuff, you know, it just inspires me, and, and I, I like to look, uh, just study and watch programs and stuff on the Titanic. But if you think about the Arctic Circle, you have all these icebergs everywhere, right? They're, they're, they're huge mounds of ice. But do you ever wonder why all the other water doesn't freeze? It, it, we have all these large pieces of ice, but yet all the other water doesn't freeze in the ocean. Well, the reason is it's because it's salty. And what do you throw on your sidewalk when it snows in a Michigan winter? 
salt, right? Salt works against the water's ability to freeze. But as the temperatures drop and water begins to freeze, the salt begins to settle down below the ice. And so the water around the ice is actually saltier than what it was before it froze, making it even more impossible to freeze. Not to mention that unlike going up into the air, the deeper you go into the earth, the warmer it gets versus up in the air, the colder it gets. So think about the nation of Israel, potentially a third to over a mile in depth walking in the ocean. That was actually a warmer temperature than probably what was when they were standing on the beach itself. The water was warm. The water was salty. And yet with a blast from the nostrils of God, the water froze, it congealed, it became a solid all the way down to the depths. That is a miracle that we cannot comprehend. Our God is a big and powerful God. He is a big and mighty God. The wind was so powerful that it dug that trench down to the very heart of the sea and froze the water. In Exodus 15, verses 8 through 10, it's interesting of what, how Moses says that God did this. It says in verse 8, he says, And with the blast of thy, what's that word? Nostrils. I mean, all of this, this great miracle from a blast from God's nose. I mean, have you ever tried to blow up a balloon with your nose? I mean, if you try, don't pass it to me because you're going to clean your sinuses out in the process and I'm not taking over on that. But, but, but if you think about it, the, the, the air pressure from your nose isn't that strong, is it? It's not that great. It's not as powerful. But, but this is what God did with just a puff of breath, with a, a small blast from his nostrils, from the, the nose of God. God breathed from his nostrils using just a little bit of power to carve a path through the ocean, to congeal the waters at the heart of the sea, to make the ground dry, and to rescue his people. And that was just a little bit of power. In verse 9 of Exodus 15, Moses continues in his song as the the nation of Israel is escaping through the the walls of the water. The enemy, Pharaoh, and his army turn, and and he says in verse 9, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil. My lust shall be satisfied upon them, and I will draw my sword. My hand shall destroy them. How delusional do you have to be to see this great miracle and to think, I can take this guy? How delusional. Pharaoh was out of his mind. He must have been puffing on the wrong pipe that day. I mean, it's just not, not you know, sanity that we can see in here. But nonetheless, they pursued, and we know the story. Verse 10, he, Moses says, Thou didst blow with thy wind, the sea covered them, and they sank as lead in the mighty waters. God gave the nostrils the first time, but he didn't give the nostrils the second time. It says he blew He blew with the breath of his mouth. He blew and pushed the sea over. He shattered the ice and he pushed the depths over the nation of Egypt and destroyed the enemy. He poured out in anger and injustice the waters over the enemy. And I just think about this miracle and it just astounds me. What God did with just the wind. And the wind is not just God's breath. It's not just wind that we see in our world. It's not what we can measure scientifically. In Zechariah chapter 4, through the prophet Zechariah, God reveals through this prophet where the power comes to perform wonders. 
Where, where this mighty strength, where this power comes to separate waters, to freeze ice down to the seafloor, to make a nation walk on dry ground, he reveals in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6, he said, it's not by force nor by my strength, but by my, what's that word? Spirit, says the Lord. Everything I do, the miracles, the revelation, the victory, the, the salvation, everything I accomplish is not by strength. It's not because I pumped iron that morning and now I'm a super God. No. Everything I do is by my spirit, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Every miraculous thing is done through the limitless power of his Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God is God's source of power. I mean, if you think about it, all throughout the Old Testament, we read story after story. We read about Samson. It says, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Samson, and he slew thousands. The Spirit of the Lord came upon the judges of Israel, and they had great victory after great victory. The Spirit of the Lord came upon David at his anointing as the new king, and he had the power to slay Goliath. The Spirit of the Lord came upon prophets to prophesy and upon Elijah to call fire down from heaven. The Spirit of the Lord, every miraculous event we read about in Scripture is because of the very wind of God blowing on an individual. It's because of the Spirit of God engaging in a situation or anointing a person to perform wonders. We don't realize how important this Holy Spirit is. Francis Chan, an author, speaker, and pastor, wrote a book called The Forgotten God, and I truly believe that he was right in many respects to call him the forgotten God because so often he's ignored. So often his presence is ignored we miss on what he is doing and often what he wants to do through us. We forget how crucial the Holy Spirit is to our lives. When Jesus, as we talked last week, Jesus in John 17, he said it's better that he goes to be with the Father so the Spirit could come. Jesus understood that it was best for us to have the Holy Spirit than for him to be contained in Christ in fullness as he walked on the earth. It's better that the Holy Spirit comes. There is something very and vitally important about the Spirit in our lives. We read last week in this verse in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, even in our creation. This is how vital the Spirit of God is to our lives. Even in creation, it says, The Lord formed man from the dust of the ground, and he breathed the breath. That is ruach. That is the Spirit of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. And the moment we were formed, God breathed. He blew his wind upon us, and we became a living person. We have life only because of the power of God's Spirit. Now, I, I, I want to show something else to you because it's kind of relative to our culture today. Anybody see the newest installment of the Avengers? Any other nerds out there? A couple, yeah. Uh, all right, well, it's not a movie I typically wanted to see, uh, and, uh, but my daughter, my oldest daughter, really wanted us to take her to see that for her birthday, so we took her to see this movie, and if you haven't seen it, I'm going to spoil the end, but don't worry, it's like part one, so there's a part two, of, you, know, you can see that and, and, uh, and be surprised at that point. But at the end of this movie, the main bad guy, Thanos, has this magic glove with these magic crystals that basically give him godlike powers, and with a thought, he wipes out a third of the population of all the universe. And you see at the end of the movie, one by one, person after person, just puff into smoke or into dust and just blow away. It's just this incredible scene. 
But in Job chapter 34, verses 14 and 15, here's what God's word says about something very similar. He says, if God were to take back his, what? Spirit. And withdraw his breath, his ruach, the wind, all life would cease and humanity would turn again to dust. No, Marvel Comics doesn't have the power, but God does. And God uses the Spirit to create life and to hold all life together. It is by, not by strength, not by force, but by His Spirit. Here in the book of Job, it says, if God were to call back His Spirit, everyone that has life would fall into dust. No one would survive. Without the wind of God, the Spirit of God, existence could not exist. The Spirit is vitally important. It's so important that without the wind of God, the heart of God could not speak as the Word of God. The wind of God is very important. The Holy Spirit is God's active force, His creative force, His power behind all that is made, His power to implement the blueprint of creation. It's by the Spirit that Jesus holds all things together by the power of His Word. The wind of God devastates. We saw that in the parting of the Red Sea. But the wind of God also restores. He creates beauty from ashes. He replaces a spirit of heaviness with a garment of praise. God wants to restore what is broken and devastated in your life and turn it into something new. Romans 8.28 says all things work together for good for those who love God according to His purposes. That as we encounter devastation in our lives, God, through the Holy Spirit, wants to create something beautiful out of that situation in your life. God is not just, in the Holy Spirit, it's not just God's source of power, but He's God's creative force that is continually creating new things in the world and in the universe. It is by the Spirit that God continues to create. And you know what, church? Today, if you let Him, God will create something new in and out of you. He wants to create something new in you. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, for the old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. If you are in Christ, how does God take you from what you were, being dead in Christ, dead in your sins, hopelessly lost, and make something new out of you? Romans 5, 5 and 6 he answers the question, says, this hope will not lead you to disappointment, for you know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at the right time and died for us sinners. Jesus revealed the heart of the Father. He died to make relationship possible. And when you turned and placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, it was by his spirit that the creative force of God was unleashed in your life, beginning that transforming work to transform you from what you were into something new. When we were dead in our sins, when we were stuck in our junk, God sent Jesus, and Jesus sent us his Holy Spirit. The same wind that congealed the seas, that continued to blow until the ground was dry, is the same wind that blows in the hearts of all who believe that Jesus has come in the flesh, gave his life on the, Christ, on the cross, was raised into glory, and is Savior of the world. 
He blows in the hearts of all who believe. And he, the word says, will continue to blow in your heart until the last day when you are raised with Christ. The same spirit who raised Christ from the dead lives in you and will raise you and will transform your body into a glorious body that will never die when Jesus returns. And I know that today many of you can remember how you felt when you first chose to trust in Jesus Christ for the first time. You know what happened. Something in you came alive. You knew you were different. You knew something was different. You knew life was going to be different because something in you came alive. It's because in that moment you were baptized into Christ. You began a relationship with God as God breathed his wind into your heart. 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says, Some of us were Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body. Whose body? Christ the Lord. By who? The one Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And we all now share the same Spirit. When we were saved, we were immersed into Christ by the wind of God, and anyone who is immersed into Christ, Paul tells us in Galatians 3.27, all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. Our unrighteousness was washed away, and now we wear the righteousness of God. What was dead was made alive as this new relationship unfolded when we first believed. We changed when the Spirit of God became alive in our hearts. 2 Corinthians 1.22, Paul says that now through this relationship we have with God, he's identified us as his own by placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts as the first installment that guarantees everything he's promised us. Being baptized into Christ, receiving the Spirit is the first installment of beginning this new relationship with God. A relationship begins this process. It's a, it's a theological term called sanctification. Ultimately, it just means it's this process of new creation as you go from what you were to becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. And this journey will continue to unfold, to transform you by the renewing of your mind as you learn to live and love like Jesus in this life. And this transforming work is a partnership between us and the Holy Spirit. As we walk in faith, as we walk in agreement with God's word, as we trust him with our lives, as we learn to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, the Holy Spirit comes alongside of us, guides us, leads us, teaches us, admonishes us, so that as we journey with Christ, we become more and more like him. And Paul tells us, he gives us a promise in Philippians 1.6. He says, I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day that Jesus Christ returns. What this means is, is that even if you're in this place in your life where maybe you don't feel as alive as you did when you first came to Christ, or maybe it's been a long time since you felt the fire of the Spirit within you and a passion and this fervor to know God more, to serve Him, to trust in Him, where you felt like you could conquer the world for the cause of Christ because of what God was doing in you. The Word of God through this promise says that when God, start, when God started in you, when you believed, He's not done doing. What God began to create in you when you were saved, when you became a child of God through the Holy Spirit, He is not done with you. He is continuing to create in you, to mold you, to shape you, to 
raise your purpose, to raise and call you forth to your identity in Christ. He's continuing this process, and it will not stop until you see Jesus face to face. Though you may have stopped moving forward, the Spirit of God is ready to continue the process. He's ready to continue to take you on that journey. God is not done with you. His eyes have not taken their sight off of you. God has a plan and a purpose for you. And it's in the journey of new creation, of heart transformation. And this is what the Spirit of God is doing even now in us. John 14, 12, Jesus said this before he ascended to the Father. He said, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I've done and even greater because I'm going to the Father. Why will a child of God do the same works that Jesus is doing? Because he goes to the Father. Why? It's because if you've received the Lord, Jesus as Lord and Savior, you have become a new creation, a creation that contains the powerful wind of God in your very own heart. The very power that Jesus used to feed the 5,000, to walk on the water, to heal the blind, to cast out devils is the same power that resides in your very own heart. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, God has not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, but of what, church? Power, of love, and a sound mind. The same power can produce the same works. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that you have inside of you. The same power that worked the miracles of Christ is the same power that lives within you. The very same God, the very same works that God did to encounter people with his heart through Christ is the same works that he wants you to do in your sphere of influence, in the people in your life. In Acts chapter 1, the disciples were hiding in the upper room. Then something happened. The creative force, the power of God descended on that room. Flames of fire immersed above their head. They were baptized in the Holy Spirit, and they went from hiding in a room and living in fear to proclaiming the gospel boldly in front of the masses in the marketplace. The creative force of God makes all the difference. The disciples went from hiding to preaching. And I would just ask this question as they were touching nations with what God was doing, what God was creating in their hearts and overflowing into the lives of other people. Imagine what the wind of God wants to create in you and to create through you for the kingdom of God if we would just say, okay, God, you are in control. I surrender to you. Imagine, God did not blow into you the wind of life at birth. God did not blow into you the wind of connection at salvation. He did not blow into you the power that split the seas, that froze the depths, and that dried the ground for you to remain fearful and timid about what other people think about you as a Christian and what the future holds because you don't know what's going to happen. 
the one who holds the future in his hands, has said to us today, fear not, church, nor be afraid, for I am going with you, and I will never leave you or forsake you. God has sent the Ruach, the Numa, the Spirit of God. So as Jesus said in Acts 1.8, when the Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power, and you will become my witnesses, and you will tell people about me everywhere you go. The power of God is meant to create a witness of Jesus Christ in the world. He sent the Spirit of God to connect you to the heart of God. And as the Spirit of God comes upon you, he'll baptize you with his power to be the witnesses of Christ. And when you're baptized with the power of the Spirit, you will revolutionize the world. Because there will be no fear. But today, my friends... Look around. Our churches and Christians are marked more by the traits of fearful followers rather than empowered witnesses. We need the Spirit of God who lives in us to blow on us, to baptize us in His power, to transform our minds, to remove our doubts and fears and create something new in us that will be revolutionary and life-changing to the world around us. God wants you to tap into his spirit so that the creative force of God can transform you into a conduit of his power. He wants to create something new in you that makes it possible to create something new in the world around you. I believe truly in my heart the church is the hope of the world. Jesus is the light of the world and the church is the only source that can get that light out into the darkness. We are the hope of the world and the fuel to the fire that is the light of the world is the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, God's creative force that initiates and facilitates the new creation that God is doing in you. And my question is, are you hungry for the Spirit of God? Are you hungry? Are you seeking? And are you ready for what God is going to do in you? Let's bow for prayer. In this place, as music begins to play, Holy Spirit, I just ask you now in the name of Jesus to blow on us. Almighty wind of God, blow on Vertical Life Church. Fill us with your presence. Fill us with your power that we would become demonstrators of God's heart as we live as bold witnesses of Christ. Don't let us remain in empty religion. Don't let us remain as fearful followers that are more scared about what the culture around us thinks or what the future might hold if we surrender to your will. God, fill us with power. Fill us with boldness. Fill us with the might to stand up for the cause of Christ and proclaim the truth to the world. Fill us, oh God, blow on us, Lord Jesus. Blow your spirit upon us. Blow your power that miracles will abound, that people will be healed, the blind will see, the deaf will hear, that the same works that were evident in Christ would be known among our church. Blow, Holy Spirit. And now, Father, draw every heart. As we go into a time of response, God, draw every heart. Let not one person remain unchanged in this place. In the name of Jesus, we pray. With every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around, we're just going into a time of prayer. And I don't know what God is doing in your heart, what God is working in your heart, or what God has spoken to you this morning. 
But I just pray that whatever the need is, that you would respond. If you, if God is working in your heart because you need more faith, that you need to be filled with the Spirit in just a moment when we stand, I'm going to ask you to just to come forward and allow my wife and I to pray for you. If you have a health issue and you need healing in your body, come forward and allow us to pray for you. If there's a personal issue or personal struggle that you're going through, let us pray and ask the Holy Spirit to blow on your situation, on your difficulty. As we go into a time of prayer, let's just respond to what God is doing in our hearts. Maybe you're here today and you've not begun a relationship with God. You don't know that you have a relationship with God. If you were to die today, you don't know that you would go to heaven. You just, you just don't know. In just a moment when we stand, I'm going to ask you to come forward and allow us to pray with you and to introduce you to the one that will change your life, that will make all the difference in the world. Jesus died for your sins to take your place, and he's ready to connect you into his love. God, I just pray that you would unleash your spirit now. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand for just a moment in an attitude of prayer. We won't be long. The microphone is up here. If someone has a word of encouragement, if the Spirit has laid something on your heart and you want to speak a word of encouragement or a testimony, the microphone's up here for the church. We'll be down here for a few moments as we go into a time of prayer.